0: places together. Here we believe that our stories are connected to one another and rooted in God's radical love for diverse creation. Wherever you are, whoever you are, however you are, take a deep breath. This week's episode is called Rock of Faith. This week's focus of God's boundless diversity is economic. The idea that God loves fully and shares spiritual gifts with people of all different economic statuses. I'm so excited to welcome Pastor Chelsea Morse to All Places Together to be our exploration and celebration partner today. Chelsea is the pastor at Micah Street Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Micah Street Church is one component of a wider organization called Micah Ecumenical Ministries, which Chelsea will tell us more about. She has an MDiv from Union Presbyterian Seminary in Richmond, Virginia. Chelsea also has a background in real estate prior to entering into ministry. And this allows her to really have informed perspective when she's doing this work in affordable housing and creating community for the marginalized. In her free time and in the church as well, she enjoys playing piano and singing. She's even moonlighted as a lead singer of a cover band and was a worship leader before going to seminary. She also enjoys spending time with her two boys, Evan and Nate, who are six and two and her husband, Andrew. As a family, they enjoy hiking, going to the beach and driving their Jeep on new adventures. Welcome to All Places Together, Chelsea. We are so happy you're here.
1: Thanks Colleen. It's great to be here.
0: So Chelsea, I'd love for you to start out with an introduction to Micah Street Church. So what does this ministry look like and how a part of the wider Micah Ecumenical Ministries Network?
1: Yeah, so uh, Micah Street Church is a brand new organic, um, it is an organic ministry that is a uh, synodically Authorized Missional Community in the Virginia Synod. And we are so excited to partner with the ELCA in this work. Uh, we we started Micah Street Church during a pandemic. Um, some of the pre-work had happened uh, before 2020. Uh, that was a discerning, informing time, but it is truly an ecumenical community that has a niche focus on Um, our Fredericksburg community, who has the experience of homelessness and those that love them. Uh, So this is a ministry that seeks to empower those who have that experience and to be able to help them lead from within and and to be able to kind of create the spiritual arm and part of um, Micah Ecumenical Ministry. So Micah has been around uh, for a long time since the '80s, and and has really started a, pri- a lot of their primary work in the last um, 13 years. And and so where they have built a holistic care model for caring for this community, including providing basic needs and shelter, uh, food, and and being able to provide case management and housing. Uh, they also have realized that there was a gap in care um, for caring for the spiritual aspect of a person's life. And so as this realization started to form, we started to realize that there was an opportunity for us to be able to um, plant seeds of um, God's faith and and God's word in people's hearts and to be able to build a more resilient community by bringing people together uh, to grow in our faith together. Uh, so that that is really what has sparked uh, Micah and Micah Street Church uh, to be able to take this new step in in birthing an uh, ecumenical church for those who have this experience.
0: Wow. I didn't realize the longstanding tenure of the ecumenical ministries portion of it. That's just such amazing work. And then for this to develop out of that, that's a really neat story,
1: yeah. and And so, what kind of started was what happened in our in our community. We live in a pretty historic um town that has a long history of the church coming alongside um the homeless community. And so there's like there's nine different um, churches and seven different denominations that are all within this block of the historic downtown. Area and that's that's where Micah is located and so back uh, before Micah, what it is known as now existed. Basically, there was um, the churches were coming together to be able to support. Uh, Those in the community, each different church was providing different things, and what they realized is that they wanted to come together and bring their resources together, which later formed um, the existing downtown shelter that exists in Fredericksburg today. That shelter kind of disconnected itself from the church. And started creating a little bit more rigid structure on who could um, get care. And in so doing, that created a gap of care for those who may not have fit into some of that criteria. Those who really struggle with chronic substance abuse disorder, um, severe mental health. They were kind of being ostracized and not able to provide care because they weren't able to meet some of the. those uh, strict criteria that they had. And so the churches, again, got pulled in and started caring for these people who were being kind of left out. And so that really started the conversation of what it meant to come together as the downtown churches and once again, providing care and later became the model, uh, which MICA holds today, where the churches own a portion of Micah and create structure of support. And now we have a full case management service. We have, you know, a housing program. We have our respite program that takes people in after they get out of the hospital. And so as we were doing these, this caring for our community, it seemed like a natural progression that we would say, well, you're just going to go to the churches. You'll just go to the churches that support Micah and they'll make you feel welcome. And while our churches are wonderful, there was something to be said about our community needing to be within its own community um, with unique experience and more trauma-informed care uh, for their spiritual needs. And so we started to ask the deeper questions of what does it mean to care for this community? What does it mean to walk alongside them in their faith journey? How can we broaden our perspective and walk alongside each other as a broader faith community and be able to know what it means to be the church together, being led by our neighbors versus being the other way around and thinking that we're going to save them versus seeing, taking the perspective of them really saving us and and guiding us along the
0: way. I love how you frame that there, because I think that's a common stereotype that a lot of church folk have, um, that they are excited to care for people, right? They clearly read in scripture that Jesus, this is what Jesus calls us to do. This is what Jesus wants us to do. So the church folks like have a passion and a heart for this. But I think sometimes then they can lose sight of the giftedness and skills of the people who they are trying to care for, and they can forget that these people have gifts for leadership and skills as well that they don't they may need to receive in a particular area of their life but they also have gifts to share and and ways that they can contribute to the community as a whole and so I wonder if you might speak to that some Um, how have you encountered that stereotype and how might you work to break that stereotype down
1: yeah, so I think that is something that I I had to learn myself. Uh, so one of the things I like to tell people is that when I came into this ministry, it was this really interesting, just God ordained path where I wasn't expecting it. I didn't have a background in working in social service or homeless services. Uh, I really didn't even do much with homeless ministry. I was mostly, as I said in my bio, mostly in music and worship ministry. And so, when I came into this work, I had the ability to build relationships, but didn't but didn't really know what it meant to empower from within. I really had to learn that. it It took a lot of reorienting uh, my own my own stereotypes, my own biases that were inherent in me, and having to reframe them and seeking to listen more than I was speaking, seeking to hear uh, with new ears, their experiences and what created, uh, the life path that, that they have walked in and, and, and how they've gotten in the situation that they're in and, and how to have more empathy and compassion and to realize that we really are, um, It was really a reorientation for me of understanding what it means to walk alongside our neighbors in their experience versus thinking that my experience was going to shape or form them. And so for our churches that are really trying to work and trying to understand how can we be in relationship with people who may be very different from ourselves, I think that's really the first point that they have to kind of reprogram because the closer that I got to our community and realized the time that I took to build the trust and to listen and to just be present, the more I realized that our people were not that much different from me. And in, in doing that, I was able to build Um, those relationships and able to break down those stereotypes and biases that I myself had. Um, I was able to see from their perspective how the experiences they've had had happened to them. Uh, And so I guess what I really try to be my street church being in the community is a place where we can be trauma informed and empower our neighbors to lead by, by teaching both emotional intelligence, like kind of working and holding the layers of their experience and tension with also teaching a new way to see themselves and to build self-confidence and to give them tasks that make sense for their capacity and, and their you know readiness. Um, and then being able to also be teaching our churches what it means to work through their own biases and fears and to be able to come alongside neighbors to be able to learn that it's it's not so scary that that there that there is something really beautiful that happens when we come alongside both our mess and their mess, and we bring it together, and it's a holy mess. we <laughs> love it be able to sit through. <laughs> and, and so that's, that's really been um, a, a new understanding of my call and conviction in this work is how, how to both empower and lift up our neighbors and build up new skills in them, as well as building up those who are in the churches to help them learn how to come alongside our neighbors.
0: That's so beautiful. I love that. Like a holy mess. Like that is so true. Like we all have a mess in our own lives and God is in that and working through that. And when we come together too, God's in that too. Amen. So I wonder if you can share with us like what a worship service looks like for Micah street church. Like, is it on Sundays or do you find another type time of the week to work? Like, how do you plug in these different skills that these people are bringing?
1: Yeah, uh, that's a big question that a lot of people will ask us. So we do meet on Sundays. Um, We also have programming throughout the week that we offer to our community. Um, For example, I mentioned to you after I got this call, you know, we have Bible study and prayer groups on Monday. We have spirituality group on Wednesdays. Um, We'll have different office hours and fellowship events that will happen throughout the week. Uh, and, and, but Sundays is our main gathering event right now. We were doing a dinner church on Thursday nights that we hope to bring back, um, possibly when COVID numbers go down in the spring and the summer. Um, but we, we kind of took a pause to that in the fall and, but Sunday mornings we meet around 10 o'clock as our gathering time. Uh, because of the pandemic, we used to have community meals, uh, six days a week, Uh, That were at the respective churches downtown, both for breakfast and dinner. So they had two times a day, six days a week where they could gather and be able to have breakfast. And we also offered a Sunday breakfast and a Sunday afternoon from two different churches Um, so really it was seven, seven days a week that they could do that. Well, when the pandemic happened, we switched our model and took more food out to the hotels where we were having non-congregant shelters. And so it really changed the community dynamic in our, in our space. And so while we were starting street church, we really felt it was appropriate to try to find a safe way to still have gathering and community. And so ten o'clock is our gathering time for breakfast. Um, and so our neighbors will work alongside volunteers who will help um, donate food for doing a breakfast. So our neighbors are in the kitchen alongside partners from our from our mainline um, churches. And they are cooking together and and doing safe meal preparation, mostly to go boxes. Um, and so when it's warmer, we are outside. And so generally we will have food outside. It's so the 10 to 10 30 frame is their time to catch up, to socialize, to eat breakfast. And, um, and then at 10 30, we actually start worship. And so our 10 30 time slot is an, um, you know, when we first started, we were underneath a magnolia tree. We, ha- we've, we've kind of grown from like being in our fellowship hall space pre pandemic to being in a hotel green space where we were having shelter, to moving underneath a magnolia tree. And it was just a very simple circle Lectio Divina format where we would have dialogue, lift up prayers and concerns, um, and just be able to have a very simple discussion. Well, over time, there as things grew, we, we kind of created a little bit more order that made sense for our people. Um, I'm a Methodist, so you know I bring order to things I do. <laughs> Serving in this ecumenical context, and so I, it's not so rigid. It's still it's still very fluid in the way that we do it. But but as people were uh, coming in, they would wonder, well, why do we do this? And so every movement in our worship service is actually an, as a teaching opportunity. So we ask people to come and gather. They have had their time to pass you know, the peace and socialize and things like that. And then we, we say, okay, who has the light to bring forward today? And so um, rather than an acolyte, people will bring a light right from their pocket. And we recognize that we light three candles on the altar as a recognition that we all bring Christ's light and Christ Christ is present with us and the light that we light on our altar. Um, we do God sightings where we will share a moment of gratitude, ways that we have seen God, heard God's um, experienced God in our week. And so people kind of use that as a time to uh, share good things that have happened to them that week. Um, recently, we have started doing a call to worship and, and some people would kind of sit back and be like, why that's so formal? Why are you doing that? But I really found, so I will generally bring the Psalm text from the lectionary and use that to create uh, a, a call to worship. And, and the reason why we needed to do that was because people were still in social hour. And so I, you know, in my own discernment journey, it was like, they, oh, this is why we have a call to worship. We have a call to worship because just like in the early church, there was a need to kind of bring together people and recenter them on why are we here? We are here to praise God. We are here to come with a little bit of reverence and, and we're going to calm our quiet conversation because there'd be conversations that were happening over top of each other when we were starting worship. So it was almost like a teacher kind of like putting her finger and on her mouth and putting the peace sign up. It was almost like that moment. And so I said, well, let's, let's root ourselves in scripture because the more I got close to the community, the more I realized they could use some more scriptures to be able to learn and and grow together. So we do a call to worship and then we have we bring in guest musicians. We have a rotation of guest musicians who will come in. Um, the goal is to eventually have all the different churches represent musicians that will come in and give different styles and and traditions. That's generally a guitarist that will sing either a hymn or a contemporary um, Christian song. And uh, then we move into our scripture, which is all these movements, are led by our neighbors. So they are the ones reading the scripture. They are the ones that are reading the call to worship, um, and then our homily is a, what we call a collective homily. It's more of a dialogical kind of conversation. Um, you know, the the lead, the lead uh, pastor or speaker. Uh, we have a guest speaker coming in, they will read the gospel. They will offer up questions of reflection and, and people in the community are able to, in uh, you know, be able to contribute, able to share their own experiences, able to kind of guide the conversation. And it's the role of the, uh, it's my role as, as the person who's generally, um, you know, leading the discussion to offer different perspectives and to be able to, you know, counter, a, a perspective that comes up and be able to offer, you know, a sense of wonder. Like, I wonder what this could mean, and how do we apply this to our lives? Uh, that that's really the most, uh, just the most important part of our worship is a space where our neighbors can really feel like they can be heard, uh, where their perspectives are lifted up, where they can ask questions. Like just yesterday when we were talking about um, Joseph, and and it was in the Genesis text where Joseph confronts his brothers at the end in in the Hebrew, um, in the Hebrew Bible. And one of the, um, folks that was there yesterday says, what happens if you feel like you're trying to forgive, or you're trying to make this stride and you just feel like you're a fake mm. and you just feel like you're not being real.
0: I have one. And how, how many of us
1: have had, yeah, had that question, right? Yes. And so it's really a really powerful moment where people in our community can really just say not just have a top-down sermon but to say, "Yeah, I don't get it. This is how I actually feel. How do we how do we navigate that?" Uh and and so it's been it's one of the most powerful parts of the worship service and God always has a way of showing up through our neighbors and what they lift up um to the to the congregation and even if it's something truly heartbreaking there'll be moments of encouragement and support and and being able to share different perspectives. And I just I'm in awe. Every week I'm in awe. Yeah. <laughs> I I will come with my notes. You know, and it's and it's one of those things as I know there's some clergy folks that you say will listen to this um podcast and there'll be moments where I come with my notes and I come with what my exegetical preparation I've done I've done my my research and my prayer and my, my own discernment. And then God will just take it in a completely different direction that I wasn't expecting, and you just have to be ready for the ride. And that and that's a holy process of um, a, it's a holy homiletical process that I was ever trained for in seminary, and yet it's it's exactly what it should be every Sunday. Um, so we we end our our time together with prayer and um, the Lord's prayer. And just a a blessing as they go out. So, but people that come in will recognize the format, but it has a little bit more fluidity. And and we re- we we joke that we have micah time, so we don't always. You know, we're not so rigid on we have to be out in an hour. Sometimes it goes a little longer. Sometimes, and we try to do the um, we celebrate the Eucharist or the Holy Communion on the first Sunday of the month as well. So, yeah, that's that's us. It's 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 a holy mess, right? Oh. <laughs> it's a it's a beautiful. Holy experience.
0: That sounds so beautiful. There are so many things that I loved about what you were sharing there. Like the idea that they light the candles from the lighter that they have in their pocket, like just have the light of Christ with you wherever you go throughout the week and whatever you use that for. And also to mark worship. That's so powerful. And I really also love, too, what you said about how we all need more scripture, right? How we all need more Bible and to hear those stories and and begin to understand them sometimes in new ways so i wonder what scriptures are important to you both in your work with the neighbors but then also with the churches like when we look at what what god says about money and like what god says about finances mm-hmm. and the good things that we can do with money and like also the hindrance that money can be in our lives and the wealth there mm-hmm. so like God talks about money like all throughout the Bible, so I know this is a big question. But like, what are some of the particular stories that are foundational for you when you think about economic status and faith and the particular type of work that you do?
1: Yeah, so um, I, I'll have a story for you. So when we, one of the things I forgot to mention in our in our worship format is that we we started doing an offering mm. last. um Last winter, and so we do prayer rocks that get passed out at the beginning of the service, and um, it's a way for everybody who is at the community, whether they have much to give or not, has has a recognition that they all have something to offer back to God. And so the line that we say is, you know, you can you can pray a prayer of intention, and so whether you want to pray for change in your heart. Or if you want to provide change from your pocket, we all have something that we want to offer back to God, and and it was something we were always doing the rocks. That was something that's pretty foundational in our in our culture and community. We use rocks as in our memorial services. We use rocks in our offering. So rocks are a very natural part um, of, of of our of our uh, prayer life, so to speak, uh, in in Micah Street Church. And the reason why we use rocks is because we're a river community. We have the Rappahannock River that runs through our city. And so the river is where a lot of our people um, lived when they were in campsites. And so it's a very spiritual place for a lot of our people. And so the rocks that we use are river rocks Mm -hmm. that you would generally find on the river on the riverside. And so they, they hold great meaning and, and, and holiness, even though they're just, you know, they're earth, (laughs) but, but they, they mean something. And so a couple months ago, one of our neighbors came up to me and they said, I want to, I want to be able to give in church. I know we do the rocks. I think that's great. Um, but I want to be able to give my money and, and I just, I don't know what to do with that. And I, 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 as a pastor i was just i was just taken aback because i just didn't expect this community to want to give like i just thought i thought oh well that's not fair to ask them of that you know i just didn't know how to understand how to talk about finances with a community that may have less than i did and i didn't want them to feel bad about giving and here was this neighbor actually saying no 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 it's 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 something they were actually teaching me what it meant to give that this person did not have much, but what they had, they wanted to give back to God because God had given first to them. Mm. And so, I mean, it's been, so I think that we will, you know, kind of get a little weary about how we talk about it, but it's, but it really informed me even, uh, um, to say, oh, uh, well, this is why? (laughs) This is why we have this teaching of the church, because this is something that is important. And this is something that can, and that here is this neighbor teaching me about giving when when I struggle with giving, you know, the full ten percent or when I struggle with making sure that's a part of my my practice. and and what so when I think about the scriptures just this last um two weeks ago, for a lectionary text we did Sermon on the plane and Luke's um, Gospel. Uh, in version of the Beatitudes, and so rather than um, saying, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, as Matthew writes, in Luke's gospel, is blessed are the poor, mm. blessed are those who are hungry. Um, and and I sat with this text with our people, and we we talked about what is it what does it mean to you to hear Jesus talk about um, being a blessing even in poverty and how do we how do we see God how does that make sense to to you how do you how do you experience that and one of the most beautiful things that somebody in our community ever shared with me is they all were like nodding their head while we were talking and I and I saw them all like nodding their head they got it they got it like it was like Jesus was talking right to them And I said, tell me why you're nodding your head, because it's hard for me to understand what that what that really means. I really wrestled with the Beatitudes, I think, before I came to this community. And one of the things that they shared with me is what that they uh, one person in particular shared. They had never felt more close to God than when they had nowhere else to fall but on the rock on their back. And because the rock is the God that we, we stand with. And so it was in their falling and in their, like they're resting with their back on the ground, because that's all they had left, that they encountered God. And so as I have come closer to this community, the more that I have realized that the Beatitudes and the blessed are the poor, whether poor in spirit or poor in even poverty, it is a recognition and submission that we need God above all else. And so those that are striving, you know, in in the um, sermon on the Plain, it kind of goes into the woes like, woe are you, you know, if you are only striving for success or some monetary number where you are trying to, you know, just get to a peak, you will never fully understand the full submission of what our neighbors have gone through and fully relying on God to provide their next meal. Not having money in the bank, but knowing that God is going to show up somewhere some way. And that is a reliance that those who are wealthy may not ever experience. and so while we while we get a little nervous sometimes about talking about economics and you know, kind of the shame rhetoric that comes around, I don't think there's any shame in being wealthy. I don't think there's any shame in in how we how we um, can acquire money, you know ethically, of course. But I think it's about our reliance on it. Are we relying more on ourselves or are we letting God work through those provisions and being able to give back what is already God's? And the same is true for our community. You know, they may not have much, but what they have, they give. I've literally seen people give the only shirt that they had on their back, the jacket that they had in 30 degree weather to somebody else. And, and I don't know if I, I don't know if others would do that in that same survival situation and our world that is so focused on us and survival. And it's about me over you. And I just got to outrun the bear faster that I don't think we do that. And so that is what our neighbors had to teach us about economics and what it means to rely on God, even with a little less.
0: I so appreciate you sharing from the tenderness of your own learning in this. Mm-hmm. Your honesty about, you know, what your experience has been and your nervousness. I know in many ways I ha I have shared that nervousness and in those types of situations where I'm caring for, interacting with people who are experiencing homelessness. But I also have that type of nervousness like in other situations too. Like, am I gonna offend? Am I gonna say the wrong thing? Like, how can I ask this of this person? when they've gone through such a hard thing and so your your tenderness Mm -hmm. and your vulnerability i so appreciate and take that as an encouragement for myself and i'm sure for people who are listening as well to go into the places that maybe we are uncertain but to go in with with humility and relying on god and trusting that god is within that place and that those voices of our neighbors whatever their situation is that they will be honest with us and and speak mm-hmm. God's love and mercy to us in that moment too, whatever that might look like.
1: Absolutely. And and I share that as a part of my own testimony. And I I, I share it I share it very openly. I you know when I was called um, you know I'm a I'm Methodist, so I'm appointed, but you know, when I was first really realizing that this ministry was was calling me to step in, um and when I knew that God, that was the path that God really needed me to take, I really did not understand it. I just, I, I knew that I was called to church planting. I knew that was that was something that that um, those are the gifts that God had given me. But I, I'm a suburban mom, middle class mom, you know, military background, corporate background. I never expected to be serving um, this this community, and. And it took a reframing. It t- And, and I, I told them two weeks ago when we were doing the Beatitudes, I said, you have taught me more about God than any <laughs> academic letter behind my name. I mean, I'm not appreciative of my seminary. My seminary was wonderful, but I just... Like I have learned more in these two years working in ministry and relationship with this community than I have ever read in any book in seminary. Um, they have taught me more about the abundance of God and God's love than I than I have ever could have learned on my own. And so my encouragement for the larger church as we discern what our next steps are in this weird um, wilderness that we are in right now in a post-pandemic world I I have so many colleagues who are tired and who are, um, you know, we're, we're dealing with the great resignation and, and everything else that's coming from our, our clerical colleagues, and the church is tired. And even though this work is hard in its own way, um, it's an emotional labor, it's not, it's also some of the most... Rejuvenating work that I've ever done in my spiritual faith. It's a good kind of tired. Remember how? Remember how we hear? You know, get in good trouble. You know, yes. uh, I Make think it's John, it's John Lewis, right? Yeah, yeah. Get in good trouble. Get good tired. Get good tired. Get Lord tired. Get vineyard tired. Like this is this is that kind of tired. Like where the sense of it it is good restorative work for your soul when you take time. To actually be in relationship with um, this community. and And it's not just this community. It can be just it's it's getting outside of your bubble, really. It's getting outside of those that you are just comfortable being around, because that's what it means to be the church. It means having a complex DNA of many different life, experiences that have led us broken and lost and yet we all find a way to come together and sing together and sing about the grace that God has for us. That's what it means to be the church and that is what I've learned from this community. And I didn't learn it by knowing everything. I learned it um by realizing that I knew nothing.
0: Oh, Chelsea, <laughs> you're speaking to, to my heart. <laughs> is this is what I need to hear. Keep going.
1: Yeah, I mean it it really was. It was a a submission that, you know, I, I, you know, I came in thinking I was going to come with my, you know, my book learning and everything else. And, and the reality was I, I was just getting started and was just starting um, to learn. And, and I think that's what it takes for us to really to grow. And that's, that's what they have to teach us. And um, yeah, yeah. So I, I, incur- I I just know those fears and those biases, they exist. I've had so many people share with me, I'm scared. I'm scared to get in this community. What if, what if, what if, you know, and, and I just encourage them to, uh, let God lead them and to realize that God often pushes us out of our comfort zones. And that's generally where the most growth, uh, can occur and, and to find where those uncomfortable spots are and just lean in and let God work.
0: Amen. 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 So if folks would like to learn more about Micah Ecumenical Ministries, how can folks get connected with you and the work that Micah is doing?
1: Yeah, um, definitely connect with us online. We share a lot of our stories on Facebook. Right now is our Love Your Neighbor campaign. Um, You can actually donate right on our website uh, at micafredericksburg.org. We're working on a Micah Street Church, um, org website that should be done here soon. And so you'll be able to go to both websites and they kind of will cross-communicate with one another. And so you can donate right from our Facebook page, right to our, our, our actual website. Um, you can, you know, you can send money uh, to our actual physical address. And um, we are just really excited, most uh, most importantly, to connect with our Synodic, um, Virginia Synod churches that want to come alongside us uh, as a synodically authorized worshiping community and just would love to connect with you all and tell the story and just and be able to um, listen to your story as well and, and the ways that you're trying to grow and learn. You know, we really see one day, you know, we're really trying to, um, plant, you know, we've planted a church and we're working towards building that church, but we also feel called to um, start a community where people can live uh, in community with one another, where we can plant uh, small homes and a garden and different creative workshops. And we're calling that the Jeremiah Communities. And eventually Micah Street Church will will live in the Jeremiah communities, and and that is um, a big endeavor that we are taking upon um, ourselves of what does it look like to be the church and to provide a space for all to live and dwell affordably in an encouraging and supportive environment. But we also see that as a future place for the churches to come alongside us and to do this work and to retreat and grow just kind of like I was been saying this restorative work that has happened in relationship. You know, we want, we want seminarians to come alongside us and work with us. We want, um, you know, clergy colleagues to bring their churches and to be able to have them learn and grow, um, in community with us. And, and it's going to take being in one central location. So yeah, come, you know, we are always open to people coming and visiting. If you're ever on a Sunday off or want to take a field trip, uh, please, please uh, feel free to reach out to me. My email is Chelsea at do love walk.net. And I'm happy to connect um, with anyone who'd like to find ways to support us here and abroad.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for joining with us here today at All Places Together, Chelsea. I have learned so much and been so encouraged by you. And I look forward to the ways that we can continue to share God's good news together.
1: Oh, thank you, Colleen. It has been a true joy to be with you all and, and can't wait to continue listening to the podcast.
0: Prayer for the rocks. Faithful God, you are my creator. You are my provider of every good gift in my life. You are my strength in times of hardship. When I feel that I am on the rocks, you help me up. When I am stuck between a rock and a hard place, you show me a way forward. When my life feels like sinking sand, you are the rock on which I can stand. When I or others are left with only literal rocks behind us and beneath us, protect us, shield us, and give us neighbors to help us. When I am in a time of plenty, open my heart and hands to be generous. And in all times and in all places, Remind me of the dignity, worth, and belovedness of each person, no matter their status or their need. You love us wherever we are, even when we're on the rocks. Amen. Thank you for joining us at All Places Together. If you heard yourself or someone you know in these stories today, we hope you heard God too. This week we heard from Rebecca, who shared this about what All Places Together means to her. Rebecca writes, There are so many places and voices in our world that are overlooked or actively avoided. Yet we know that God is present in those places with those people in their very lives. All Places Together is a vulnerable snapshot and glimpse into some of these places, inviting each of us into the space of learning and growing together, seeing where God's story intersects with each of our stories and experiences. Hearing from so many different people at so many different places helps me notice God's actions in new ways and opens my heart to seeking out the people and places I used to avoid. All Places Together is a weekly chance to draw us closer together, even as our physical locations are scattered throughout the world. Thank you for sharing this with us, Rebecca. Hearing what is meaningful to each of you about All Places Together helps me so much in developing our time here. I'm always happy to hear your thoughts through a review on Apple Podcasts, a comment on social media, or even through an email. You can reach me at allplacestogether at gmail.com. That's A-L-L-P-L-A-C-E-S-T-O-G-E-T-H-E-R at gmail.com. If you'd like to share a contribution to help All Places Together continue to grow, you can give through our website. Scroll to the bottom where it says Give to All Places Together and you'll be redirected to our giving platform. Thank you to our mission partners, the Virginia Synod, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and people like you who have shared contributions. We know it can be hard to give financially. We celebrate all of the ways you share the stories of All Places together with the people in your life and engage with us, the APT community, throughout the week. Don't forget, you can always find us at All Places Together on both Instagram and Facebook. Until next time, remember that God is with you and loves you wherever, whoever, and however you are.